Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Audio. I, hold on. We I know we're starting, but I feel like my audio is coming out of my computer, oddly enough. It's coming out of your ass. I just don't want the wrath of Josh like hearing an echo on my thing because I'm not wearing headphones. I know. By the way, Josh... Josh is like sneaky funny. He's really fucking funny. <laughs> I know. He's a character. I know. <laughs> He's thrown us some curveballs here recently. Uh, he has. Like when he got arrested for it had to, they had to have arrested him for minor in possession because he looks like he's ten. <laughs> but he had like a zima on the beach, and he texted us saying. I should have just said I use it as a visual cue, like like my thing, instead of actually drinking it. That's how he could have gotten out of the ticket. But instead, right. he he got busted on the beach with a like Bartles and James. I was just gonna say Bartles and James. You stole that, you bastard! I was waiting to insert Bartles and James. Ah, uh, shit! But I used to. Son of a bitch I used, stole my line. I used to have What's Zima party. What's that from? What's that from? I don't know. It's it's familiar, but I don't know. It's the last line of Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah. Wow. How do you remember that? I'm gonna go see about a girl. I know that one. Son of a bitch stole my line. Son of a bitch stole my line. It's not your fault. Dude, what are you doing? Get away or get off of me. It's not your fault. <laughs> Okay, bro. It's not your fault. (laughs) It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Uh, Abandon my boy. (laughs) All right, sorry. So you used to have Zima parties? Yeah, I had Zima parties back in the day when it first came out. We, like, got cases of Zima. I think we were underage, probably. And and, uh, my friend John had, like, a back house. And we had girls over, and they were like, oh, my God, Zima. And we, like... (laughs) We're fucking Zima freaks. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Zima? I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because that seltzer, which essentially it's that's what it was, now is taking over the fucking world. Everyone's drinking these seltzers now. Do you have a white claw? Yeah, like a Do white you have claw. A white claw or the high Bud noon, light seltzer. Yeah. Or Arctic Char or whatever the hell it's called. There's like so many of them now. Now every brand does it. Budweiser has one. Corona has one. You know, it's hot right now, Joe. 
Yeah, the seltzer market. We should do daddy issue daddy issues seltzer. We should. <laughs> what about yeah. the idea of changing the whole messaging of this podcast and just Yeah. Every, every time I think we should do it, we get somebody reaching out to us that uh sends a text like this and I'm not going to say the name but I am going to read the text that Margot shared with us if I can mm. find it did you bother to read it this guy poured his heart out I did I got I Here got it is. I got a bit weepy from a guy named Joe didn't know how else to reach out to you guys the episodes lately have been such a huge help in some of my personal battles lately with my family relationship personal addictions and just the overall stresses of life I know the show is still growing and I've shared it with countless friends and families and will continue to do so please keep doing what you're doing I just wanted you to both know that these might be some of the realest and most powerful conversations happening right now and it means so much your listeners are truly benefiting from each episode and I look forward to the next one more than the last. Thank you for doing it. Seriously, would love to chat with you guys more if you ever need a random, irrelevant guest. I appreciate you both immensely. I, that makes me feel, on one hand, so great that we're doing mm -hmm. this. On the other, I, I feel like we should be doing more. I don't know that we're mm -hmm. pouring our, our heart and soul into this podcast if it's that important to somebody named Joe. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean as far as the rebranding aspect of it goes. I think whether we whatever we call it, it's going to get in to the same areas. You know what I mean? I think you and I just having discussions can go from the absurd to the real very quickly. You know, whether it's called daddy issues or too sensitive men or whatever it is. You know, right? Yeah. But yeah, maybe. But isn't that great, though? I mean, I know we fuck around and we joke about not making any money, which is no joke. We do not make any money. Yeah, right. But when you get these emails and texts and comments that say that, it just it feels like it's all worth it for some reason, you know? It does, know. It but I don't good. know what we're talking about that is hitting home with this guy so much over the last couple of episodes. That's what I say. I feel like it's... The last couple of episodes, although people seem to like Troy's episode a lot, I don't know that we're we're doing enough or putting enough thought behind this. We're just kind of getting on and talking, which I think is the the good and the bad of it. What's yeah. bothering me right now is that your legs are all veiny. What what is going on with you? Are why are you <laughs> are you are you just thinned out or what's happening? I, what why I, do you have veins all over your right here? calves? Yeah, what is that? It's veins. I mean, I'm a vascular person. I and it could be just the lighting. You know? I, I don't know. It's a weird angle right now. I'm sitting sort of crotch to camera vibe, you know? It's right. Like, it's all it's all right here. It's like, yeah, I'm having a Sharon Stone moment that I don't want. <laughs> I guess I could do this. It's so <laughs> awful. <laughs> Um, I have been working out though, you know, I have been running, I've dropped a few LLBs or just LBs or is it LLBs? <laughs> there's LL Bean and then That's there's LBs. <laughs> um, no, but I'm just a vascular man. Like when I get my blood drawn, you know, they, the technician gets very excited. Yeah. I'm the same way with, with that part of my arm being very vascular. I, it always bothered me and it bothered my dad when he was dying in the hospital for seven months when the 
nurses, male and female, and God bless them. I mean, where would we be if mm-hmm. if all of a sudden that supply chain of people willing to be nurses dried up? I mean, mm-hmm. I just I'm astounded at their tireless efforts, especially these days uh, with COVID and everything else. But when they would make inanimate objects in a way to kind of make it not as intimidating, uh, animate. Mm-hmm. They would animate them, meaning they would say, you know, oh, let's check on this little guy down here. Oh, this this vein is not really cooperating right now. Let's check this guy over here and let's get this. Uh, it, 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 my dad would look at me and he, he had this trach in this tube and couldn't really talk. And he would look at me while they're fumbling around on his arm trying to get an IV in. Ugh. And just rolled his eyes, his eyes like, oh fuck, Ugh, like this God. is just. I, I don't just just save the talk, find the vein, put it in, and leave me alone. And when oh you're when you're at that point in life, it's like I I don't I can't even entertain this right now. I used to pass out taking blood, but now I don't. But I it, it was there was a point where something happened, and I would just get super lightheaded, and I'd have to lie down. Because it was just like too intense for me. <laughs> the sight of blood, or just no. When I when blood. I would take it, just just the sort of idea, you know, that it was they were drawing blood out of me. Or may, yeah, or maybe you just don't have a lot of blood. What do you mean? I've got so, plenty of blood. I don't know. Maybe them taking those. I do you every time I get blood drawn, and they're like popping another little canister on that thing, and here comes another Ugh. big shoot of blood out. I'm like, do I yeah. have enough for this? Yeah. This, am I going to walk out of here like looking like I've just crawled out of a crypt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't it seems like a lot that they take when it's when they're think, checking for everything. Do you think this is the kind of conversation that Joe was talking about that changes no. his life? <laughs> no, but you and I you and I almost got into it last night which uh we we walked to the edge of having a huge fight which Margot captured on our texts. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're out playing golf. Hey, your birthday. My birthday. God love you. I'm with my mom and Kurt, like, out okay. on the golf but just court. give me a time. Just give me a time. That's it. Give me a time to do this thing, and Look. and and I'm in. I'm in. I'll, I'll adjust to you, but just don't let it hang there so that I can't plan the next day. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I do. But okay. I, I under normal right. circumstances, I probably would have gotten back to you much sooner. But as you know, when you do play golf, you, your phone sort of goes away. You forget about shit. You're playing right. with your parents. It's my birthday. I've got who else? Was it just the three of you? Yeah, it was you, Kurt Russell, and Goldie Hawn. What do you think that would go for in an auction? Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, ten grand, fifteen grand, ten, twenty grand, maybe ten. Ten grand. It if depend- it was the right cause, it depends what venue. Yeah, if it was like a high dollar, everybody's trying to impress the person at the table next to them. Yeah, yes. I would say ten grand at a minimum to go play golf with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Yes, <laughs> and, and Oliver Hudson. But do you? I are mean, you a birthday guy? I mean, do you care about your birthday? Not at all. And so when you and I were kind of going back and forth, I'm showing the text chain to Michelle, and she's like, "Look." You know Oliver's a sensitive guy. You know he loves his birthday. He's like me. You don't care about your birthday. He cares about his birthday. I don't care about my birthday at all. I don't care. I don't care about my birthday. 
I, I mean, she's got that one wrong. You know, like my mom and Aaron are the ones that arrange everything. My mom made a tea time. They 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 organized a dinner for me the night before. Like I, I'm not a. It's just another day type of a, a thing. Okay, I'm glad to know that. I thought you were very emotional about these ceremonial dates that no, pop what up. What the fuck? No, I'm not. A, no, not at all. Not at all. You know, I love when my kids make me cards. Like that really makes me happy. And they did yesterday, and and they write like sweet things, and that that I love. You know. Yeah. Well, of course, that's the best part of it when you have kids. And yes. And, yeah, but okay, good. I'm, I thought you were. Different but I did than have a party. I, oh my god! Someone called me Lotito Joe. I don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> a Lotito. <laughs> Is it you? That name was in your phone? It says Lotito Joe. I have no idea. I don't think that's in my phone. Sometimes on the phone now, it just, shit just comes up that's not actually in your phone. Oh, yeah. It says might be. Yes. Lotito yeah. Joe. Yeah, Lotito Joe. I don't know. Lotito Joe. Yeah. Sorry. Um, maybe that's Joe that wrote us the nice text. Oh, maybe. Maybe he got my number. <laughs> He's like, hey, guys, get to it. This sucks. <laughs> He's in real time listening, <laughs> tapped in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, no, I had a party, which was really nice, actually. You know, and I'm so thankful that Aaron and mom organized it at my mom's house. And she got a bartender and we got some food. And there was like 20, 25 people there. And um, it was great because it's not very often that you get together with your good friends anymore. You know, it, it, life is just nutty. Uh, pandemic aside, just busy kids, your own shit that you, you're dealing with. It's hard for everyone to get together into the, in, at the same place. Absolutely. And, so you had 25, were you in LA? Or yeah. were you, oh, so you played golf in LA. I thought you were in the desert. No, no, I was in LA. Okay. I was in LA. I was gonna say, how could you get twenty five people to the desert? No, that we just did a bir- we just did a birthday dinner, and then I played golf the next day. Where but do you play was- golf when your mom and Aaron arrange it? Where'd you play? Mountain Gate. We just played up at Mountain Gate. It was okay. It was all right. You know, greens are all right, but I don't know, man. That course is. Don't say it. You got to walk in there with your head held high. You don't want to say something on here and maybe somebody. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I. well, that's good. That's good to know. I'm glad that I wasn't ruining your birthday by walking up to the edge of a fight and then ducking back. No, I, I, I got the text. I knew that you were on edge. I, I know you so well now. It's crazy. I can feel you through the phone. And I had a decision to make, you know, and I was like, all right, let me use some humor and, you know, some sarcasm to sort of try to diffuse this a little bit. <laughs> but I was holding, I was holding back because I was like, I wanted to be like, dude, fucking Joe, man, don't get me started. But I was like, all right, no, no, no. I know he's busy. He's got shit to do. And I, when you get fiery, there's just no stopping you. It's like a runaway train. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more from Oliver and me. I had to walk out of the room. Separate issue last night. I don't know. I just I did a speech yesterday afternoon. I've got these two games coming up this week, and and we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, But 
the kids were acting crazy. Blake wouldn't go to sleep. And it's one of those, and, and he's already calling us on our bullshit. Like I, like Blake, you know, Michelle's like, now you need to make, you need to make a smart choice here. You need to make a wise decision. You need to make a smart choice. And it's the same stuff. I'm like, Blake, get in bed. Yeah. And she's like, Joe, Joe, that we don't need that. I'm like, well, I, he's not doing anything. And, yeah. then, and then I'm like, Blake, get in bed. He looks at me, and goes, no. And and I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, there's nothing I can do. I can't call him on anything. I'm not gonna, you know, hit him. I'm not gonna spank him. Yeah. So, okay, what do I have? Nothing. I and it's nighttime. It's not like I can go. Oh, you're playing with that toy. Give that to me. Yeah. He's just walking around. He's like, no. Okay. So mm-hmm. I had to walk downstairs, go in the basement, and do some work just to uh, not lose my mind yeah (laughs) it was just one of those days i i just felt like everybody's picking me clean here yeah and it started the day started with an hour with my therapist and i talked about things that got to my career and everything else and the jeopardy thing and the i hadn't talked to her in in four weeks and uh i i set me in a mood that was not beneficial to a peaceful day well that's funny because you would think that you go to therapy and you walk out feeling a little bit lighter but i just was tired i I think it was more just being i do feel lighter and i do i do as i'm sure you do when you walk out of a therapy session you just the birds chirp nicer the breeze in your car windows feels better Mm -hmm. everything's lighter there's no doubt i just it just wore me down and then i had to go speak in front of 500 people in downtown st louis and i was just tired yeah yeah it's for a great cause and one i truly believe in and and it wasn't that it was just i just tired yeah well therapy by the way can be exhausting because you're dealing with shit and then you know on top of it it's sometimes most of the time it's you know the birds chirp a little louder but sometimes it sets you into a bit of a funk where you're like oh man (laughs) you know because you have the good session and then a bad session but the thing with with the with the boys it's such a great topic because again you're right you know i don't spank you know you're not gonna hit your kids so once they get defiant like that shit you know what do you do i mean there obviously are things to do but sometimes the walk away is the best when you're just feeling too angry but at the same time with michelle you know it's like they're still little they're trying to reason with these little beings is just futile it's just not gonna work their, their brains aren't developed yet to understand that, meaning you need to make a good choice. They're like, what? <laughs> we have made uh, an appointment, had a conversation with a sleep specialist for the boys because, and this is where Joe, the aforementioned Joe, actually just erases the podcast uh, <laughs> from his library and never comes back. But we have met with a sleep specialist because in our new house, which is where we are now, our bedroom is on the first floor. The boys' bedroom is on the second floor. There's a guest bedroom by the boys' bedroom. So this has continued. I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast. I've talked about it with everybody I've ever met, including mm-hmm. the like the mailman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not slept in the same bed, Michelle and me, since we got in this house because one night I'll sleep in our bed downstairs and she'll sleep in the guest room because it's right by the boys' And then we flip it the next night. And invariably, Blake, 
will get up at three o'clock in the morning, sometimes howling and cry and walk in the guest room and get in bed with one of us. Or he just will walk in and just get in bed. But only one time since we've been in this house has he slept in his bed the entire night. So now we have a script from the sleep specialist, how we're going to talk about this. We now have a lock on the outside of their door. And how many times are we going to go through this this dance every night? And it's it's like you just said. I mean, these are three-year-old boys. And yeah. at some point... Blake's going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I just don't feel like parenting at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'll just be like, just get in bed. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Get in my bed. I want to go to sleep. Yeah. I, you know, oh, so God. it's going to be, this is going to be hell trying to get these guys to buy into this program that they don't, they're not smart enough to understand. How does it work? I mean, is there certain techniques that you've been given and then that lock on the outside of the door, like you're actually supposed to kind of lock them in their room. Well, you give them one chance. Yeah. Walk them back in. You have a meeting. You have a chart. <laughs> you have we don't we don't assign a, rewards for doing it. That's bad somehow. So, right. you know, you got to do it in the new age way of thinking. <laughs> so, it's not like, "Hey, uh, you slept in your bed all night. Here's a fucking gallon of ice cream yeah. for breakfast." I don't give a shit. I got a full night's sleep. That's so, the best way to you. do it. I know. Well, that doesn't fly in 2021 and it's smart choices and blah, blah, blah. And so this is just going to be the end of Michelle and me. It's, it's over. I, we're going to just fight <laughs> relentlessly because I just, I don't have the patience to put up. With so wait a minute. Shit. Wait, okay. Where is, because is she more all in than you are? Is that where the She's friction comes? She's all in comes? on the script. Okay. She's all in on the script. And I, I at some point, the script gets torched and yeah. it's go to sleep. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Right. Go to sleep there. Go sleep on the roof. Go sleep in my car. Yeah. Go sleep. I don't care where you go sleep. <laughs> Just go to sleep. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, dude, I know it so well. It's so funny. I, 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 it's so true. At four in the morning, you said it perfectly. You, you you don't want to be a fucking parent at three in the morning, four in the morning. No. Like being a parent is over. Like now we're in survival mode. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I'm like, so we're going to follow the script. So are we going to have cue cards for the script? It's going to be like SNL at night where somebody's holding a cue card up behind Blake's head. And I'm like, ah, okay, Blake, you have made an unwise decision. Let's review, and now let's walk back into bed. No, I don't want to. No. Well, you've done it again. So therefore, now we're going to lock you in your room, and you're going to go bananas. Ugh. And I'm going to have to listen to this at 4 o'clock in the morning while you howl, throw yourself around the room, and sleep on the carpet. Okay, this sounds great. Oh, my this God. This sounds awesome. Have you tried that? Like, have you stuck to it and committed to the door lock. We haven't, we've kicked that can down. It was like, okay, we're going to start it Monday. Yeah. Well, now it's, you and I are talking on a Wednesday. Yeah. Well, we haven't started it yet. Okay, we're going to start it. Uh, we're going to start it with the nanny when she's here and Michelle and I have to go to work this weekend. So the nanny, it, it's a little less emotional with not mommy or daddy. So maybe she can get the groundwork laid for this thing. Mm hmm which maybe that's great. Maybe that goes up in smoke when mom and dad come home on Sunday night. I, I Sunday night. I don't know. So we have not started it yet. Oh to my answer God. Your question. 
Ugh. I mean, it's crazy. It's just, you're in that shit right now, you know? I mean, it's just, it's the worst age. It's the best age, and that part of it is the worst age. I, I'm going to trump uh, Charles Dickens. <laughs> the best of times, the worst of times. It was the age of fucking sleep training. It was the, it was the age of going to preschool. Are they, was, both, are they both in this zone? Just Blake. Blake is the needy. I want to cuddle. Yeah. I want to lay on you. I want to get in bed. And when he gets in your bed, it's the best because he like wants to touch your leg with his leg, and yeah. then he can go to sleep. Ah. So we're gonna we're gonna extract that from his personality. <laughs> You're gonna harden his ass, <laughs> right? <laughs> come, Blake. Come snuggle. No. Well, I don't want to. Give me another cigarette. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more Daddy Issues. You know, there's so many different ways to do it, you know, especially in L.A. where it's this sort of co-parenting or sorry, this attachment parenting where you feed on demand, you know, and you sleep with your kid, you co-sleep with your kid. There's a thousand different ways to do it. We didn't do it that way. But at some point, this is what I always say, they're going to be sleeping in their own bed. At some point, they're not going to have a pacifier. At some point, they are going to learn how to read and write and do math, you know? But we're, <laughs> right. we're it's just the timing of it is, we, we all want it to, ha- we want it to happen so fast or in this perfect amount of time. It's like, fuck it. He sleeps in your bed. He's not going to be 16 sleeping in your bed. You know? No. Eventually, he will move into his Bobby well, dead by then. I mean, he's three, so. <laughs> <laughs> when he, That's 13 years from now. I'll be 65. Maybe I won't be dead, but I'll no. be. So, when he's 20, when he's 21. Yeah, I'll be 70. That's 18 years? 18 years from now? Yeah, I'll be 70. Yeah. All right, you still got it. At 70? Yeah. That's why I've I've just I went through a whole battery of tests for my heart. I'm I'm wearing a halter monitor mm-hmm. not at this moment cuz I'm between putting it applying it, but I like I've got to stay around for these kids. Like I'm I'm trying to get in the best shape of my life. Um Wearing the halter monitor, like that worries me. What's I don't a, want to leave these kids a yeah. halter monitor. I've never talked to you about monitor? that before. Monitors your heart all day yeah. when you sleep. And and I have a I have an issue where a lot of times my heart will skip beats. Mm. And I think I'm and it'll do it sometimes for an extended period of time. I'm like, good night, everybody. It's been fun. <laughs> uh, and uh what does it feel what does that, that feel like? It's like a you know, like your your heart is like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like it, it it goes and it, it it just rolls instead of going instead of going dun 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 dun. Yeah. It just it rolls. Ooh. And you can feel it in your throat. And and I'm but I've had that since I was a little kid. I told my mom that when I was like five. Like I my heart feels weird. Mm. And my mom, who's the biggest hypochondriac and still is to this day. It's like, we're going to the heart doctor. So I was like a five-year-old kid wearing a halter monitor mm. around, which back then was like wearing a <laughs> reel-to-reel tape recorder around my neck. <laughs> and now, now it's it's just an electronic patch that goes on your chest. 
that goes to a cell phone. Back then, it was like the Fred Flintstone pterodactyl banging out on. Oh on, yeah, to they had slate. to actually take audio film and cut it to like hear your heart. <laughs> right, go into the dark room. Right. And, uh, well, yeah, that's no. that's an interesting topic that we haven't even really discussed is sort of being an older father and whether that give whether that is makes you fearful in any way and obviously completely yeah i hate it i hate that part of it because you know i my my dad was an older dad and i know what that's like and i I remember playing catch with him on the beach in florida during spring training and people coming up to him and saying oh that's so sweet you're playing catch with your grandson and he'd look at him like fuck you that's my kid you know and yeah. And now I'm in the same boat. My life is completely paralleled my father's life almost to weird levels wow. where at the same time basically we were in a divorce and uh you know kids at an older age, but I got in I got into my early 30s. I guess I was 33, just turned 33 when he died, which I was ready to be you know to handle that mm-hmm. because he and I were so close um but uh, you know I, I think about it all the time math is not my friend I I feel like okay so they're gonna be I'm gonna be 70 and they're 71 and they're gonna be getting out of college that that's okay mm-hmm. you know that unless I get hit by a bus tonight I which you you know what's the line you'd start you get busy making plans and life oh, intercedes right, so who right. knows <laughs> that's a good paraphrase uh yeah yeah life is life happens when you're busy making other plans or something like that that's lenin that's, that's lenin. beautiful boy yeah. yeah it's lenin beautiful be- i love that song beautiful, that song made me cry beautiful, beautiful, when those bo- when the boys were born boy. yeah that's a great song it's a great song um but yeah i think about that all the time so i'm trying to do everything i can including work-wise, which is what I ended up talking to my therapist about. Like, how much do I want to continue doing what I'm doing at the pace that I'm doing it? I, 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 the answer is I don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know what the next move is. But, you know, you think about Jeopardy and doing that and it coming off well and the ratings were up, which I haven't seen that article written anywhere mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> except for, you know, I haven't seen it in my hometown newspaper. Right. But, but that's not it. So it's, I I don't know what the next move is, but it's not doing this for the rest of my life. I know know that. I know, I know. And then you stay healthy though. I mean, do you eat right and work out and you're mindful of sort of your body and. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I eat as well as I can realistically. Um, probably drink too much. Uh, and I'm, I work out a lot and I'm trying like hell to stay fit and making sure that the systems are in working order until I get hit by that bus. <laughs> With your, you and Troy's <laughs> face. Look at him all over the front of the bus. Yeah. But boy, right. what a what a healthy heart he had. No, exactly. And I'm sure the billboard will be, the Fox billboard of you and Troy will be on the side of the bus. <laughs> right. <laughs> and hopefully my boss isn't driving it. Uh <laughs> But yeah, that was my dad's old joke, which is kind of an offshoot of this. I may have said this on this podcast before, but he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to die in the booth. Mm. Like dad, he's like, no, I'm going to die in the booth. And two guys are going to be walking in downtown St. Louis. And one's going to turn to the other and say, Hey, did you hear uh, Buck died in the booth last night? 
during the Cardinal game, and the other guy will say, oh, wow, that's too bad. Did the Cardinals win? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> life yeah. just moves on. So that's 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 how it goes. And and if if I tap out at Fox or anywhere else, life moves on. Sports move on. Are you afraid of death? Um, there when I when I was younger, I was more afraid of death. I don't really think about it that much anymore. But right. I was I was pretty obsessed with it when I was in my twenties, and I, I don't know why. Maybe because I was a young dad, and I felt like I had so much to do and so much to set up. And I didn't want to be taken from that, but I, I don't obsess on it. Are you scared of death? Um, I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm a little fearful, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, just when you do have fears or anxieties, you know, I mean, it's the unknown. So death is the unknown, you know, I, I, I fear it not necessarily for myself. I mean, I do, but just like you said, for my kids, you know, for the people around me, I just feel like I need to be here, you know? So that, that makes me nervous, I guess, but I don't walk around fearing death every day, you know? Um, yeah, but I'm not totally comfortable with it. I'm not just like, oh yeah, we all live and we all die. And that's just the way it is. You know, I would love to get to that point. I think that if you can truly feel that way, you know, you have experienced the ultimate freedom in life, when you are when you have no thoughts or no issues or no anxiety around death and it's just part of life it's must got to be so freeing you know i just don't i don't i don't know how anybody even the most zealous religious person can can totally feel that way mm-hmm. if if you were to hook them up to a lie detector and i say that only because and maybe so i could be dead wrong but i i think of my mom who is as religious a person as, as anybody i've ever met in my life and you know here she is at 83 and i think it scares her the idea of not being here and what's next and where you know i i think in her mind and in her heart she she believes where she's gonna go but at the same time i i think that that leap is frightening it has to be that's just part of mortality and being a human being walking this planet mm-hmm. i don't know anybody that can go oh i'm not scared of death and be completely honest with mm-hmm. you unless you don't give a shit about yourself and right I don't well know. that's that's religion you know it's you know that's a whole other conversation a whole other podcast but you know as far as death goes it's that belief in something bigger you know it's just comforting it's faith at the end of the day it's not even about religion it is couched in whatever religion you have faith in but at the end of the day it's just faith and faith that when i die i will be taken care of there is something else it is beautiful and even beyond anything we could experience on this earth and when there's a tragedy in your life and you are religious and that faith will take you through it because you're believing in something bigger even if it's not real even if it doesn't fucking exist, which there is no proof that it exists. But that is comforting to us, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, theologians and religious people will would completely disagree with the idea that there's no proof that, you know, there are there are markers and there are there's enough proof to believe that that exists. I, I just think there's so much unknown, no matter what you believe in. If you're believe in the Big Bang theory, 
or you're just a fan of the show The Big Bang Theory, <laughs> or if you're just extremely religious, there's just too much unknown. Like, where did everything start? How did it start? Where did it come from? The Big Bang Theory. Okay, well, what was there before The yeah. Big Bang Theory? And where did that start? And how did it just, there's too much beyond our comprehension. So that that is, I think, the saving grace in my mind. Like, there's that stuff we don't even understand, whether you're in one camp or the other. Yeah. So, but there is no, but like there, there is has no, to be more, but there's no proof. What are you saying? There's proof. There's no proof that God exists. There's no proof that we know where we go after. Well, we die. I think the most religious person will say, look in the face of Wilder and tell me that God doesn't exist. Look in the, look in the, that, that, that's, that's just, that's not that, that, you're talking I about. understand that's not empirical evidence of of the existence of that but there's a beauty and an order and a way about this world that people will say it in the bible and it was how it was written and that it's still relevant today and i mean i'm I, this is the last thing i want to get into with you <laughs> I know. I, I, I was, I, I'm just saying that, that still isn't proof. That's, that's, you know, that's QAnon. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, well, this is what's happening. <laughs> that's insanity. No. No. Why? It's just. Why? There's no proof. There's just, if you believe it enough, then there's proof to you. But there's no it's not, okay. That's fair. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. If you believe it enough, and you believe in in the Word of God and the Bible or the Quran or whatever, I then you believe it to be true. That's it. And and everybody's free to believe what they believe. We don't have to get. We don't have to get into this. This is a touchy subject with you, and it's okay. We'll we'll uh, we'll deal with this later. <laughs> <laughs> it's not touchy. I just, it's not touchy with me personally. And, and I know exactly what you're saying. I just, I feel like when you get into this in today's world, it's such, and some people are like all in, they want to hear this. Some people, yeah. it's just an immediate turnoff and, and it's, they just don't want to think about it, hear about it, be challenged to be whatever. And I, and I respect that, so I'm I'm good with not talking about religion or politics. We don't talk politics on this no. show. No, and I I think for good reason. We're all inundated with that all day, every day. Yeah, so give it give people a break. Oh, I know. If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Please share the love and tell a friend about Daddy Issues, and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We beg. That's you. right. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up right after the break. Well, then let's talk football. Well, I'll just tell you what I'm doing this weekend. So I leave uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the day this drops and fly to New York. And I'll be in New York for the 20th anniversary. Hard to believe it's been 20 years of 9-11 and the Yankees are playing the Mets. Uh, so I do that baseball game on Saturday night, and then I fly Saturday night after the game to Jacksonville to watch the displaced New Orleans Saints mm. after Hurricane Ida play the Green Bay Packers in a neutral site for our first football game and then fly back home on wow. Sunday night. So it's a lot. And it, wow. it, it, th th this is worth talking about because I've talked about it actually in other podcasts. People have had me as a guest 
talking about my dad's speech that he read at Bush Stadium six days after 9-11 when baseball started back up. And the question was then, was it the right thing to do? Was it the right, was it disrespectful? Was it to the people who lost their lives in 9-11 to start back up in something that seems to be so trivial as baseball and sports. And I think there was a valid argument for that. And then the other side of the argument and the other side of the coin was, well, we got to get back to life at some point here as, as awful and as tragic and as scary as, as that day was uh, we, we do have to show that life here is not going to be stopped. And mm-hmm. so he read this poem down on the field. He had written it. It was, it was, it was a year before he died um, almost, you know, almost a full year before he passed away. And you have to realize that my dad was a depression era kid, had zero, worked his ass off, went, uh, was drafted, went to World War II, was shot in Germany, was in a hospital in Paris when the war ended, came back. And at that time, the government was paying for GIs, for the GI Bill for people who had served to go to college at their state college. So he went to Ohio State, got that higher education, and then started his broadcast career and and built his name in St. Louis, built his name in baseball and football, was in two halls of fame, and had this great uh, had this great platform to do good and had the tr- public trust. And he went down on the field and read this poem. Uh, that he had written during that six-day gap between 9-11 and the restart of baseball. And he was he had terrible Parkinson's. I mean, he was he was really weakened. He had diabetes. He had so many things going on. And I saw him in the booth up at the press box before he went down there. And I said, Dad, you're gonna cry. And and with the shaking, and it may have the opposite effect of mm-hmm. what you hope it'll have. I, I don't think you should do it. And he said, I'm not gonna cry. And I said, Dad because he cried at everything. Mm-hmm. I said, Dad, you're going to cry. And he put his finger in my face and he said, I will not cry. I'll bet you $100 I don't cry. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you're on. So then he went downstairs, went onto the field, read this poem, uh, and and actually said something before the poem that was even more poignant to me. We're, we're in this packed house at Bush Stadium, and he said, I think by now the answer to the question, should we be here, has been answered. And the answer is yes, and the crowd went crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was, Because before that, it was like it was really eerie being in a big stadium again and, and wondering if it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Then he reads the poem, and between the two of us, the only one that's crying is me mm-hmm. up in the booth. <laughs> I'm about to do the game on TV. He plowed through it like a champ, and he came back up, on the elevator, which they held for him back up. And instead of going in and sitting down and doing the game on radio, he came right into my booth where I was doing TV and he stuck his hand out for the hundred dollars that we bet. <laughs> and I just smacked his hand and said, gave him a thumbs up. And he just shook his head, went in and did the game on radio. So it, it was, it was, I think of all the things that he did and experienced and, and had in life, it, it came to that moment uh, at Bush Stadium on the 17th of September in 2001. I, I think everything he had done up to that point fed into that moment. Wow, that's a great story. I don't know... I don't know about you, but as for me, 
The question has already been answered. Should we be here? Yes. Should we show others how to demonstrate our resolve? Yes, and we shall do it here this evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to baseball. Welcome back to Bush Stadium. To all of the fans tuning in around the country, welcome to St. Louis. The Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers and all of baseball welcome you back to Bush Stadium and this special evening in memory of those who lost their lives in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania. And in honor of the heroic rescue workers and the pride that we have in our country, which we shall show you here this evening. I would like to read a poem which I have written for this occasion, after which there will be a special 21-gun fireworks salute. Since this nation was founded under God more than 200 years ago, we have been the bastion of freedom, the light that keeps the free world aglow. We do not covet the possessions of others. We are blessed with the bounty we share. We have rushed to help other nations, anything, anytime, anywhere. War is just not our nature. We won't start, but we will end the fight. If we are involved, we shall be resolved to protect what we know is right. We have been challenged by a cowardly foe who strikes and then hides from our view. With one voice we say, we have no choice today. There is only one thing to do. Everyone is saying the same thing and praying that we end these senseless moments we are living. As our fathers did before, we shall win this unwanted war and our children will enjoy the future we'll be giving. And it was the same night, so then the Mets are playing, the Braves, 
My broadcast partner, John Smoltz, is playing for the Braves, wasn't pitching. And Mike Piazza of the Mets hits a game-winning home run in the bottom of the eighth. And and it was like New York celebrating. And then and then it was a another powerful moment. Mets won that game. And and to see these sports teams, you know, provide a bit of a distraction. And and in many cases, the Giants and the Yankees and the Mets went and they were there at ground zero and they were there at the battery with mm-hmm. families trying to find loved ones that had been lost. And it, it was, it's hard. I would think it would be hard for people to understand people of a certain age that weren't old enough at the time or even born at the time to think back. And this is 20 years ago. And I can't speak for you, but for me to remember how vulnerable we felt in our own country mm-hmm. and how, how vulnerable for an amount of time being in a large gathering mm-hmm. felt. And that's why it was weird being back in a stadium and doing the World Series that year, which I did in the Bronx in New York, mm. uh, was just, I mean, it was a great World Series, but it was a powerful time for this country. And here we are 20 years later, more divided than maybe we've ever been. I know. It's kind How about of heartbreaking. that? Huh? I know. It was... It's true. It's a good point. We're more divided than we've ever been, it feels. And 20 years ago, we'd never been more cohesive. It was No, I mean, President Bush walks out in, in the middle of the diamond before game yeah. three. And it was it was so hard even to get in the stadium. And I was nervous. I had ricin or I, I had uh, Cipro in my bag because there were like ricin concerns. Mm-hmm. There was all this weird upheaval going on. And you don't know what it's going to be like at Yankee Stadium. You think, oh, my God, this is going to be the biggest target in the world. It's it's the World Series, and it's in the it's in New York, and the Yankees, and the symbol of mm-hmm. America. And he walks out and delivers one of the most powerful pitches and moments mm-hmm. I've ever seen, where mm-hmm. it's wearing the, the bulletproof vest mm-hmm. under a jacket, and he stands on the rubber mm-hmm. and throws a strike. Yeah. And... and Politics was not even in the equation. Yep. It could have didn't matter that he was Republican. He was just the president, and this was a moment for the country. And it it, it might be the last time. Yeah, we've had one of those moments in this country where I it's know. like, you know what? That was that was chilling, and and maybe you didn't like him as president, but it just it meant something. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's gone. I remember that. Know? Yep. Well, what about? So you you you're not gonna you know, wax poetic in, no. during the game. I mean, you, you, you... We'll have moments. We'll have moments that built-in extended breaks where we'll have an extra 15 seconds coming back to roll in a memory or probably play that Piazza home run, probably play my dad, little snippet of my dad's speech, probably, you know, see, we're going to talk to Joe Torre mm-hmm. in the booth. Um, have you been writing? I mean, do you have to write stuff for this for you? I mean, you know, you're so off the cuff, right? And that's why you're as great as you are. Even in our friendship, you're quick witted, you're funny as shit. Your brain moves fast with something like this, with this importance, do you have to write? Do you have to think of what you're going to say beforehand? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a couple phrases. Um, something that I can go to if I'm stuck, but I would rather just feel it and say it mm-hmm. but but it this is a weird time in our country to just feel and say stuff I off know. the cuff i know 
I know. I, am I going to talk about us being more divided than we've ever been? No, no. that's not my place to do no. on, on a Yankees-Mets game. At the, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're doing a game, and it's yeah. the 20th anniversary of a horrible day. But it's still a game that matters to both teams, and you're doing the game. But there's time in there if we're going to talk to Joe Torre and – I forget who else. I read the email today. Somebody else is coming in the booth. Maybe it might be Piazza. I think, mm-hmm. uh, and talk to them about what it was like. And somebody said this to me the other day, and I think this is true. Nine eleven is different for a New Yorker. Nine mm-hmm. eleven is different for somebody who was around the Pentagon at on that day. Nine mm-hmm. eleven is different, obviously, if you were directly affected by it. And lost someone, but if you were in New York, it was an attack on that city. There, there's just it's a different feel than it is for me, who went to go pick my daughter up, Natalie, at her school because everything shut down. We were all huddled and scared and glued to the TVs. But if you were in New York and you were there and you could see it, uh, it's it's just a different it's it's a different remembrance. Yeah, I wasn't even in the country. I was in Vancouver. It was my first day of work on my first television show that I'd ever done. And I wow. was in the, got in the car early to drive to the studio and on the radio. I heard it on the radio. It was crazy. So that and, I, and because because it had it had developed from oh my god, a plane just flew into the yeah. one tower. Somebody a pilot made a horrible error to it happened again. There's no error. This is an attack. Yeah, and it's, so the the mood, the the feel of it is like, oh my god, what's next? And then flights are grounded. And then the flight goes down in Pennsylvania, and they're they may be trying to hit the White House, and they hit the Pentagon, and I mean, it just wow, mm. wow, what a day, man. And it's it's funny because when you when we were inundated with it, when we were watching t- television, watching the news. These images were replayed over and over and over again. So there was, you become desensitized during that time, meaning you see them so much. But when you take a break from it, you know, and then you don't see them anymore, and these anniversaries come up, and then you get to see it again, it's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. You know, it, it just takes you back and. That day was so crazy and just so unreal and scary. And everyone was panicking. My mom calling, get out, die. And no one knew what was happening. Yeah. It was, uh, it was nuts. It was it, nuts. And there's so many things to talk about, and, and we can wrap this up here. But I, I, I think with regard to that day, I, I saw something on CBS News this past weekend that was just a great, exhaustive, in a good way, piece on the different sides of that day. And the reporter was interviewing somebody in the military, and he said there's a a gallows humor joke that goes around the military and those who went to Afghanistan right after. A knock-knock joke. Knock-knock, who's there? 9-11, 9-11 who? Oh, I thought you said you'd never forget. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's strong because it it was just so in the front of your mind. And now here we are, twenty years later, talked about all the divisions and the way we we are now interacting. 
um, at least publicly on television and the fighting and everything else, the infighting that goes on in this country every day that becomes just mind-numbing. And and then you think of, our, our, they went to the point of talking about our kids being taught about 9-11. Do kids that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, that, you know, you'd have to be over 20 to have even been alive. Are they even aware of what happened? Mm -hmm. And is it taught in school and what the history of that is and what that day was like? And then she went on, the reporter talked to the photographer who just was clicking pictures of people jumping out of the tower Mm. instead of burning to death. Mm -hmm. They just jumped to their death. And the picture of a person just completely inverted going down in perfect focus with yep. the World Trade Center tower behind him. I mean, this these are this happened in our country. And and it's you wonder if people really even get it. Yeah. You know, no. of a certain age. Well, it's just perspective, you know, it's also just with all the infighting, with all of it going on, you know, to try to gain some perspective. Yep. But well, uh, I see Wilder's in there. Do you have to go to school? <sighs> No, he's supposed to go to school, but you got to get tested every week, right? Every weekend, you got to get tested to then provide to the school to show that you have been tested. And it was Labor Day and my birthday and blah, blah, blah. We just totally fucking spaced it. Bing forgot too. He did? Yeah. Lots of people forgot apparently. So, you know, you show up to school and they're like, you need the vaccination or you need the test results. And so all three kids are home. I was what? just going to ask you, what tools do I need to build a desk? Because I'm going to clean my room and then start building. Yeah. Uh, open the box. Get a, get, get, a, get a box cutter. You need a wrench. Over the, open the box. You need a blowtorch. <laughs> they probably have tools provided. Otherwise, on the instructions, it will tell you, here's what you need to assemble. Look at you, multitasking. <laughs> look at that face. Tell me God doesn't exist. Look I at know. that face. Look at that. Look at that hair. And tell me God doesn't exist. He's got good hair. He's got good hair. He's got good hair. Um, uh, all right. Well, this was a podcast that was pulled out of the nosedive about ten minutes in. I know. No, we're always good, man. We always pull out. Well, yeah, it it comes together. I mean, we have we have seven kids between us, so maybe not. Uh, you said it always. I said it always. We always pull it out, and then you said it comes together. Yeah, you, look at that. See what we did there? Wow. Unintentionally, that was amazing. Then I said we have seven kids between us, so clearly Jeez. that's not always the case. Yeah, God, we don't. We're, we're funny when we we don't even try. You know what I mean, Joe? No. <laughs> You're um, a poet. And you didn't even weren't know even it. aware of it. You weren't even aware. You weren't even of aware. It. Of you weren't even cognizant. A, you weren't even aware of being a poet. Uh, okay. Well, last thing I want to say. Yeah. You have to watch on Netflix, Untold, Breaking Point, about Marty Fish, our friend. Okay. You have to get Marty Fish on this podcast. I'm sure he is now. Is that inundated? The, is that the newest this thing one? Started. It's the newest one. I didn't even know that series existed. So wait, before you and, go on, and he's a good friend. It is so friggin' good. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen. Okay, so the, the these are my my cousins who um who produced this battered bastards of baseball. 
um, you know, uh, Wild Wild Country, which they won Emmys for, and this is their new series. This is yeah. These are a little shorter. These are these are like one hour. It's Chap and Mac, and then Brocker does the music. Yeah, they're sick. They're amazing. I've seen two of them. I want to see the hockey one, and then of course the Marty one. But I saw, um, you know, the Palace, the Ron Artest one, which is before yeah, that. So that's the one above. I haven't seen any of them. So yeah. that's the one above it. I clicked on that and then I was trying to find it. It's not really well. Ooh, good. I'm going to watch it tonight. Well laid out. I'm telling you, man, I I, it, I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. And, and this, mainly because he's a dear friend of both of yeah. ours. I had no idea. And, and everything he has dealt with is shocking wow and, and how it made him well i'm not even gonna say yeah Just no watch i'm it. gonna watch it tonight well i fly into albuquerque and i gotta do my fantasy football draft and then i'm gonna watch it you gotta learn your lines yeah i gotta learn my lines too <laughs> i gotta learn my lines right put the gun down <clears throat> freeze fbi <laughs> put the gun <laughs> Check every outhouse, every hen house, every whore house, every crack house, every... Tommy Lee. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. All right, you have a nice uh, trip to Albuquerque and make us all proud. Okay? I will, Joe. Thank you. All right, love you, pal. I'm so glad we had this time together. Me too. Bye. Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.